Are you ready? Yep, let's do it. Hey guys, I'm Jen. And I'm Amanda. And And you're listening to Fathomless. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Oh, God. If you don't know what that's from, <laughs> Susie, talking to you. <laughs> Wait, does Susie not? Susie doesn't understand SpongeBob references. Are you being kidding me? Nope. I, I know. I uh, We're disappointed. <laughs> that's really some, sad. Some people's parents wouldn't let them watch SpongeBob. That, I mean, yeah. My dad wouldn't let me watch wrestling. That was the one thing, and honestly, understandable, because me and my sisters already had, like, a Saturday night beatdown on each other already. We didn't need to learn choreographed moves. <laughs> like, we did, not, we did not need to learn any new ways to beat the shit out of each other. I was too young to pick up on, like, the adult jokes in SpongeBob. Oh, yeah, they would. I mean, now as honestly, an adult, I'm watching it. They... Every Every childhood kid movie show. and yeah. every kid show has adult jokes. Even even fucking Bluey has stuff for the adults in it. That I don't know if you've watched Bluey. No, I don't have kids, you, so okay. no. <laughs> I don't have children. I know, but you have nieces and nephews. All right, we're gonna watch Bluey. Okay, because you need to. It's actually really fucking funny. Okay, it's really funny. All right, but um, that is hear that guys. That, we're yeah. gonna watch Bluey one day. We are maybe <laughs> after this. I know uh, Gina's baby. Loves, loves her yeah. some bluey. Every every mom right now is like, fuck yeah, bluey's the best. Like, cause it really is. It's such a good show. Good because the kid shows like Caillou. Oh my god, uh, Don't Caillou was a little. Caillou. I could spend an hour boy. shitting on Caillou. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna change up today's episode. Yeah. It's gonna be an it's episode forty five minutes of Amanda talking about how much she hates Caillou. <laughs> we're just gonna bash Caillou right now, little bald headed asshole. That's I, what he was. I saw, he was a little asshole. I saw like a Reddit theory that um that Caillou is actually like the entire show was just him having hallucinations while he was terminally ill with cancer in the hospital. Okay, that's, and that's why sad. he was bald. And it's what's awful is my first reaction was fucking good. Caillou sucks and that's terrible. Should never think that about a person, but this is a cartoon. It's a cartoon. It's a cartoon character. If anyone's like, don't take it seriously. Amanda just wished cancer on someone. (laughs) You're wishing cancer upon children, Amanda. Caillou, yes. You are horrible. No, you know what? That's not something we wish upon anybody. Worse things that people are doing to children out there. Hey, no, we don't wish anything bad upon anybody, specifically children. But everyone can agree that Caillou sucks. That Caillou fucking sucks. Pretty much. Okay. Off right. Caillou. Yep. Now that we, you know. <laughs> we just talked about one on a shows for three minutes. <laughs> I could, uh, there is like a list of children's show and movie characters that I would love to like have a bar fight with. <laughs> yeah. Who? Caillou is definitely on that yeah, list. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, um, Tika the elephant from Barbie Island Princess. I don't know that. She was a fucking bitch. She fucked over Barbie in that movie. Hard, you know who so. I want to just like. Oh, God, no, I'm not a violent person. I'm not a violent, but fucking Pearl. Oh, my God, yeah. Spoiled, entitled. Another one. Pearl would kick my ass. She'd wipe the floor with me. She'd just sit on on you, I guess. 
probably eat crush you. Me. Yeah. Tika the elephant probably could too, but I would try and fight that bitch. I really would. I'm trying to think. I'm like, who else do I fucking hate from a cartoon? Uh, um, Ruby from Max I would and Ruby. literally just be yeah. Max and Ruby. Ruby yep. was helicopter sibling. She's so mean. Yeah. Why are we See talking about cartoon characters? You want to fight? Don't. It's because we started <laughs> with me saying, "I'm ready, I'm ready," and and we just spiraled from there. Yeah. Welcome to Fathomless. Welcome to Fathomless. <laughs> we're you never know what we're gonna talk about. Yep. On our banter yeah. sashes. Yeah. Now you guys know what cartoon characters I want to fight. I feel like I could go on, but now I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, I like all these cartoons. I was like, but I, I, I don't know. There's the rat I... from Cat Dog. His name's escaping me, but he was always a jerk. Oh, yeah. The one used, that lived yeah. in their walls. Yeah. He's not nice. No. Um, You know what cartoon movie I loved to watch growing up? I didn't even know it was, I know they've been around forever. I didn't even know it was a series before the movie, but do you remember the Tom and Jerry movie? Yeah. I fucking loved that movie. It was a good movie. It was Love such, Tom and Jerry. It made me really sad when the owners like left them behind, but yeah, it was a good movie. Movie anyway, can get real sad. <laughs> oh god, I can't. I can't watch kid shows or movies because of how sad. Like we were talking about it. I can't fucking watch Bambi. Nope. Nope. nope I will be. Bambi. I will be in tears. Uh, in an instant. Princess and the Frog always gets. I me just watched when the, that recently. The Firefly Ray dies. I fucking. Well, I only. <gasps> I watched that recently because they're making Splash Mountain at Disney. Yeah, and they're redoing Pre- it. Yeah, you know what? That's gonna be fucking so awesome. People excited. are like pissed about it, but I'm like, okay, but. I'm so sorry your systemic racism story got taken out of Disney World. And I'm so sorry, <laughs> you know, it was a part of your childhood, but it doesn't need to be a part of everyone's childhood. And you can always talk about it with your kids or, you know, show them some old pictures But a major of it, ride like but, that, like, I don't even yeah. know, like, honestly, like, I don't even know the whole, like, Briar Bear, Briar Fox, like, storyline because it's very old you know what i mean I, like, i've seen it's it's from a short called the songs of the south and okay. um it is 100 percent a metaphor for a runaway slave oh yeah that is who briar rabbit is well and that's why the farmer is so pissed oh Okay, well, the princess because and the frog free labor left. So yeah, I mean, the princess and the frog splash mountain will be awesome because yeah. the scenes in the movie, like with you know, it kind of looks wait. like that painting behind you that you yes. did. Yeah, like the like the trees with yep. all of like the glass bottles hanging in. Them. Because I was it's like, what so scene of the movie pretty. are they going to decorate? I figured this they were going to do. And like I was the, like, oh my god, bayou. they have like limitless options. Of yeah, how to, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be so awesome. I want to go to Disney just for that. The music, too, in that movie is just great, so. Yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah. I love it. fucking better than Zippity-Doo-Dah, so. (laughs) Sorry, guys. (laughs) Zippity-Doo-Dah. And don't get me wrong, I love old Disney movies. Oh, yeah, you do, yeah. The 1972 Peach Dragon, I could watch that a thousand times. I could literally recite every song for you guys right now, but I'm not going to put you through that torture. (laughs) This isn't a musical podcast. No, it's not. Although... You know, maybe I'll do a spinoff. It's just me singing songs for Disney movies. The new Peach Dragon was, I don't, I know. I haven't seen it. I know because. My sister said it still has the heart it, of the story. Yeah. Like the original story. It's really and good. And I mean, they could. It is really, really they good. They could not remake the original in today's day and age because it's a little offensive. I mean, it's literally about an orphan who gets, you know, forced to work on a farm by the people that adopt him. So he runs away from home. And finds a magic dragon that helps him out. 
Yeah, that's not and what happened the, in the new movie. The opening song is literally the adopted family searching for him in the woods, talking about how they're going to beat him, tie him to some train tracks. Okay, when no. They find him. The, uh, the new one's a it's little a softer. It's a uh, little nicer. I mean, it's still sad. The new one. PC. Did the new one is um his parents. He's it's like, in Australia, right? I don't. I forget where it takes place, but um, she, they, he's in the car like as like a young kid. Yeah, like four or five maybe, and they're on like a rural road and they get into an accident and oh, um, his parents die in the car. So he just walks into the woods and finds the dragon. So that's what happens in the new movie. Um, so I guess yeah, definitely more, you know, friendlier than, than the original. But I love the original. But yeah, I mean. Didn't they have a cartoon version too? Well, that was the cartoon. It oh, was, the original so it is was, the cartoon. Okay. It was when Disney was very big in Because I know there's like three versions into... of it, right? No, it's just the two. Oh, it's, I thought so were... they... oh, there was more. It's it's confusing because you'll see cartoon with the live action, but it's because it was when Disney added animation into their live action movies. Yeah. It was when they were doing that whole thing. So Elliot the Dragon is a- animated, but everyone else is... Uh, is you know normal i'm sorry if you guys i think we're gonna have a cat fight in a second (laughs) oh my god two of my cats are hissing at each other how do i break behind jen all right go away hey (laughs) all right we're gonna pause before we have a a battle hang on All right, so uh, let's yeah, let's get into my case today. We apologize for the brief uh, pause right there with the the cats. But... Yeah, they uh, they don't get along, but it's okay. no, it's they it, don't. Yeah, neither do mine. <laughs> um. All right, so we're going back to the Berkshires today. Ooh, we remember what Susie called the Brookshire. Oh my God, that's literally my <laughs> next sentence. I was like, or as my friend Susie calls it, the Breckshires. I <laughs> I had to I be like, even. no, Burke. And she's like, Breck. And I'm like, Susie. <laughs> Bur- Susie's from California. So, yeah. And honestly, like the way we spell things out here, like, it's very confusing. It is. Everything in Massachusetts sounds weird. So, yeah. So, we're going back to the Berkshires. The Berkshires. In Western Massachusetts. And um, we really haven't talked about that area since the Who's That Tunnel. No, which was like our third episode. And we're, you know, 30 episodes in. Yeah. Is that crazy? Crazy. So, next September, it'll be a year. I know. Yeah. We've been doing this for a few months. And you know what? I'm sure some of you guys, if you are, you know, loyal listeners, you've heard our ad. Yeah, I so, hope you guys are enjoying it. Um, it's our, don't it's a, skip it and listen to it. Yeah, it's our first paid ad. So, yeah. I mean, I think collectively we have made a total of like $4. But you know what? Which is fucking better than zero. And exactly. it's just going to keep going up from here. Exactly. You know, so, we're going to see where it takes us. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. So anyway, um, back to Western Mass. So we're going to a town. Uh, Florida, Massachusetts, Florida, Florida, Massachusetts, which is whenever I say Florida, I'm not talking about the state. Okay. Yeah. There's an actual town in Massachusetts called Florida. I like to make a joke that that is where we trap all of the old people who are trying to retire to Florida and they get confused and wind up in Florida, Massachusetts. I Yeah. We talked about this in a case. Okay. Yeah. I, I remember that tunnel, I think, because the tunnel is right there. Yeah. 
Um, so uh, Florida, Massachusetts, again, it's a town located along the Mohawk Trail in the Green Mountain Range. It's a beautiful area. Oh, my God. We went camping there last September. It was beautiful. Um, the Mohawk Trail began as a Native American trade route that connected Atlantic tribes with tribes in upstate New York and beyond, which is just like I wanted to give you a little history on what the Mohawk Trail is. Because it's know like I love some history. Every, well, I know you, but I don't know if everyone else knows no. what the Mohawk Trail is. I know is. a lot about it. My father, actually, that's where he would go camping with his grandfather when he was a kid, right on the, uh, the cold river run, runs right through there. So that was, uh, that was a big part of us growing up yeah so like everything around that area is called like mohawk trail mohawk trail like everything is named after it so figured i'd give a little just kind of lesson on it we're all about history here on fathomless (laughs) remember it's a true crime mystery history it is (laughs) so prior to european settlement the mohawks and other indigenous tribes would use utilize the trail to fish along the connecticut and the deerfield rivers and would hunt in the valleys surrounding these rivers. King Philip, the leader of the Wampanoag tribe, traveled along the trail in an attempt to recruit Mohawk tribe members in his war against the settlers. We'll be talking about soon. His name is also Metacomet. Yep. So I saw that and I was like, I got to put that in there because we're in the process of planning our Bridgewater Triangle series. series. Yeah, it's going to be a whole extra series on the show. And um, yeah, I bought a wicked cool book that I'm very excited to share with you guys. Yeah, it's it's a it's a hefty book over there. It is it's a couple hundred pages. <laughs> Excuse me, um, there's a lot in it. I'm not I'm definitely not going to need all of it. for Yeah, our but show, it's going to be a good read. Oh, yeah, I'm very excited about it. But I yeah, mean, so basically we're going to start the Bridgewater episode series with King Philip's War because yeah. that is like the foundation of yeah we're gonna all talk the about, shit in Bridgewater yeah, Triangle it really basically is. I mean, so the Wampanoag were living in this area um, which is the tribe that Metacomet King Philip is mm-hmm. from um, they were living in this area for thousands of years like eight thousand years um, before we. Like European settlers. I don't want to say we. Don't say we. It wasn't us. My, uh, no, it wasn't us. I'm, I'm not my, responsible for people. My ancestors fucking showed did up in 1900. So <sighs> we were not pilgrims. Yeah. But um, yeah, so it basically, we're going to start with that tribe and they have a lot, a lot of rich history in the area. And they also have a lot of like myths and legends and spooky creatures that they believed lived in these woods. Well, and I mean, I believe them that they over... left offerings to. So, yeah, yeah. we're going to talk about all that because that really kind of sets the scene and what the European settlers did to the indig- indigenous people of this area really does set the scene for why the Bridgewater Triangle has such negative, weird energy yeah. in it. But we will definitely get into that. We oh, yeah. want to do it. We want to be detailed. So oh, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to just go quick through it. So we're gonna we're gonna go crazy with it. So but I think next month that'll come out. Uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll I see. might be ready. Yeah, All right, we'll see. Don't put a timeline on it because I, I want I'm you not to gonna take your you guys time, a date, and but... I don't want you to stress over it. But either May or June, look out for probably June. Yeah. May is a busy month for us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so today we're going to be covering the mysterious disappearance of Lynn Burdick, 
Have you heard of this? No, I have not. Okay. So Lynn went missing from her town of Florida, Massachusetts on April 17th, 1982. So the anniversary just passed. And she was only 18 years old at the time of her disappearance. Um, so Lynn was born on February 22nd, sorry, February 2nd, 1964, and she was the youngest of four children. In 1982, she was living with her parents in their blue ranch-styled home in the town of Florida, and the family actually had their own farm with animals. They had cows, pigs, chickens, and they would grow their own produce. So, um, the farm actually spanned over 25 acres, which is like that's a lot of land. And um, growing up, the Burdick children were expected to help take care of the farm. Yeah. But they loved doing it. So the Burdicks were a close-knit family. They would enjoy picnics over the weekends, playing Frisbee, and they just loved to spend quality family time together. So Lynn was a senior at McCann Vocational Technical High School, and she was set to graduate with honors. She was known to be a very well-behaved and studious teenager um like yeah like super good grades and she was actually taking care of her chronically ill mother who was diagnosed with emphysema oh yeah so lynn also volunteered with her church in many different charities that assisted people with disabilities oh my god she's just like a sweetheart all around all around sweetheart so these charity events were very important to lynn because her friend Teresa had muscular dystrophy and one of her nephews had cerebral palsy oh my gosh yeah so a family member said she would just do anything for anybody. And after graduation, she planned to keep her job at the country store. We'll be talking about that. Um, and she just wanted to save up some money so that she could someday go to college. She wasn't she was in the position to go to college right after school. Her family, I mean, they didn't have like a ton of it's money. Expensive. Her mom was sick. Like her priority was kind of just like take care of her family. Yeah. And then figure um, it out. After. And figure it out. So, Lynn worked as a part-time clerk at the Barefoot Barefoot Peddler Country Store. It's a mouthful, sorry. Um, on Florida Mountain in Florida, Massachusetts. This was a convenience store owned by her cousin Gary Burdick and his wife Sue. So, the country store was located on the corner of Route 2 and Central Shaft Road and was only a few hundred yards from where Lynn lived. Uh, the town of Florida in 1982 had about 700 people, and yeah. this is one of the only stores that you could kind of go to to get some groceries. It's still a wicked small town. Yeah, like imagine like if Gilsom had like a little store. Yeah. So Lynn had been working at her cousin's store for about three years, and she typically worked shifts alongside her best friend, and um, just would usually just have somebody else there working with her because when she first started, she was only 17. So you can't work alone in the store. You can't sell beer or cigarettes. Yeah. Um, but just two months before she disappeared in February of 1982, Lynn turned 18, and she was finally able to work alone. She didn't often, but if needed, she was allowed to legally. Good. Yeah. So on April 17th um, of 1982, on this is the day that Lynn disappeared. Yeah. She went shopping with her mother and then attended a small gathering at a local bar with her older brother, Brian, his wife, Bernadette, and their daughter, Debbie, who is Lynn's niece. And Debbie recalls that her father, Lynn's brother, dropped Lynn off at work after this gathering. 
The day she disappeared just happened to be a day that she was working alone. Um, It was also her first shift closing the store by herself. And this area of Florida was considered pretty safe. But Lynn's cousin was concerned about her working alone, especially at night. It's pretty secluded there, too. So to be alone at night, I can see why they'd be nervous. So typically, her cousin or his wife would have stopped by the store periodically to check in. Um, because they didn't, they themselves didn't like the idea of a teenager working alone at night. Yeah. So they were like, okay, like we trust you, but like, we're still going to call and check in this night. They couldn't go in because they were stuck at home with their sick child. Report said, um, but Sue did call around 8 PM that night, an hour before closing to check in with Lynn. She did speak to Lynn during this call, who stated it was a slow night with only a couple customers, probably because it was raining that day. Um, and while they were still on the phone at 810, the cousin overheard a bell, which indicated that the front door of the store had just opened, yeah. which means a customer just walked in. This is when Lynn said she had to attend to the customer that just walked in and promised she would call back when she closed the store later that night. And she hung up the phone. Um, this is the last time Lynn Burdick would have, was ever heard from. Oh. Yeah. Can you see where this is going? Yes. So I've read conflicting reports on if it was Lynn's brother, Brian, or her mother that had tried to call Lynn at the store around 830 to see if she needed a ride home when her shift ended at nine. But. Nobody answered the phone, um, and this didn't initially raise alarms because they just assumed that she was attending to the customer. No biggie. Um, Another customer entered the store at about 8.40 p.m., uh, and he noticed that nobody was there, and the front door of the store was left open. Oh, boy. Um, This particular customer knew the Burdick family and knew Lynn to work on Saturday nights. So, So, like, he knew she was yeah to be there close to town knew the family knew her to be working usually saturday nights so like after a few minutes when she didn't appear i don't know if he was like calling out her name or you know, hello anybody here after yeah. a few minutes um nobody answered so the this customer called the verdict family to let them know that the store had been left unattended this is when brian immediately went over to the store and called the police and notified authorities that his little sister was missing. Initial thoughts were that Lynn didn't have a boyfriend and that she was taken. Yeah. She didn't just, like, run off. She wasn't the type to just run off. Yeah, and she had been working there for a while. It she was didn't a have family a car. business. She yeah. She just leave the business unattended. She wouldn't leave the business. She didn't have a car or a license to go anywhere. She didn't have, like, a boyfriend to just leave work early yeah, like, and run off, off with. with. And if she did, she would have locked up. And she wouldn't just leave her own family. Like, she's taking care of her mother. She's yeah. set to graduate in, like, a month. Yeah. I just, no. It was, oh, an, adop- it was an abduction. Definitely. Um, so, when police arrived at the Barefoot Peddler Country Store, Lynn's open book that she was reading and a half-drink soda were still on the store's counter. But her jacket and her purse were nowhere to be found. $187 had been taken from the register, but the backup cash um, that was underneath the register was still there. So this made police believe that an intruder would not have known about the extra money, but Lynn would have. And if she was to steal the money and run off, wouldn't she have taken that too? Yeah, taken all of it. 
Um, but if somebody told her to empty the register and grab her coat and come with them. Yeah. He probably had a gun. Yeah. Um, there is also nothing to indicate any sort of struggle had taken place because the store was in like a neat and tidy condition. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it didn't look like there was like a struggle or like because if it someone wasn't ransacked, if you're alone at night and a man comes in and holds a gun up and says, "Give me all your money, grab your purse, come with me," yeah, like I wouldn't try to fight either. If I don't have a gun, I'm getting up and going and yeah, trying to formulate a plan as we fucking go. Yeah. But... So yeah. uh yeah, so please also believe that again she wasn't. She didn't leave on her own free will and that she had been abducted during a robbery. She got off the phone with her cousin at 8.10. And because the 8.30 phone call had gone unanswered, police believe that this was their time frame. Somewhere between 8.10 and 8.30. So they narrowed it down. Yeah. Uh, One lead focused on an unidentified male who attempted to abduct a girl from the Williams College campus near Florida that same night that Lynn disappeared. This suspect tried to force his victim into his car at about 7 p.m., but she managed to escape. But, like, badass. This attack happened within the hour that Lynn was last seen. Police also speculated that the abductor was familiar with the area because Florida is a pretty isolated town and not one that people would just be randomly driving through. That's, it's not like an area that people are just passing by to get somewhere else. It's yeah, you it's know, very you're not just st- driving through. No, and it's, it's like Gilsom. You're really not just secluded. driving through Gilsom. And there's only like two like kind of main roads that go through it. Hold on one second. <laughs> the cat's cat, acting up again. She, she's trying to climb out the window at a bird, and I see her doing it. <laughs> we will interrupt for the cats. <laughs> oh my god, I think she's fine. Okay, we're good. Sorry. I think she's fine. <laughs> I really thought my cat was going to try and, like, bust through my window to get at a bird that's at the bird feeder. I'm sorry, guys. Um. So, yeah. So, pretty isolated town. People aren't driving through. Crime in this area was rare, and abductions were even more rare. Yeah. Like, that's a very quiet area of Western Mass. So, yeah. Crazy. So, one police officer thought he spotted the suspect's vehicle traveling toward Florida en route to a short time after the incident at Williams College. Although it matched the description of the car driven by the suspect, the car or the driver could not be identified. The Barefoot Peddler Country Store was located en route to placing the suspect near this location around the time she disappeared. So... Do you remember the other disappearance we covered on Route 2? Yeah. Joan Rich. That yes. I think about that case, like, every day. Yeah. Still. That, that was a freaking weird one. Yeah. So, um, Lynn's older sister, Faye, was living about an hour away in Monroe Bridge, Massachusetts. Okay. Um, she didn't have a car to drive to Florida that night, but she was able to make the trip a few days later. Um, when she got to Florida, she just stated that her mother and her father were just completely erect. Um, a massive search was conducted to try and locate Lynn immediately following her disappearance. And this search continued for about three weeks. Uh, remember, it's mid-April in New England. The weather is like a mix of everything at this yeah. time of year. Yeah, you might get some snow. You might get some rain. Which, it might be 40. It might well, be 80. Which all this 
combines to make a slushy and muddy ground. Yeah. So this is what they were searching in. Um, Lynn's brother even searched some of the abandoned camps on the mountain, but never found any trace of his sister. Although um, authorities search heavily wooded areas, decaying cabins in the woods, and even search in the Huzak Tunnel. Ooh. Yep. They came up with nothing. So I don't know how far in the tunnel they were able to go. Probably as far as they could go. They could probably. I mean, if they're if they're the authorities, they probably were able to walk straight through. You need to, like, usually have, like, a respirator on that you yeah. can walk through there all. But the air gets very thin in between. And then also trains release a shit ton of carbon monoxide. So Yeah, I can't imagine. It was that ain't good for you. Um, so you can get like extremely lightheaded as you're going through and just breathing in all those gases because oxygen just gets thinner. Um, but they more than likely went up and down that tunnel. Yeah. So nothing was found in the tunnel. Together, the community offered a $2,500 reward for any information, um, which would be about $8,000 in today's money. So again, that reward just sat. Nothing happened. So sad. Um, Lynn's case eventually went cold, but her family never gave up looking for her. Lynn's father, Rufus, I love that name, <laughs> took he took some time off of work to continue searching for his daughter. He was convinced that she was abducted and being held someplace against her will, which is very likely. Yeah. Um, he wouldn't even entertain the idea that she could be dead. Eventually, he did have to return to work, but every time he left the house, he was always looking for her. Oh. Um, he never stopped believing that Lynn would be found alive someday, and her parents saved every single article that was printed about Lynn in oh the newspaper. Yeah. Um, this Break next part. Heart. Uh, they left her room just as she left it, oh. and they kept the porch light on just in case she ever oh. found her way home. <gasps> I fucking cry. Right. It's so oh. sad. So in 1995. 13 years after Lynn disappeared, Lynn's father received an anonymous letter postmarked from Boston okay. from a man stating that his daughter had been abducted and murdered by a man in North Adams, Massachusetts. Which isn't that far. I mean, it's like the it's like the top left corner of the yeah. state. So it's like from Boston. It's on the completely well, it's, other it's side of the state from Boston. Boston. But it's not far from it's Florida. It's not far from Florida, no. Um, authorities were familiar with the suspect who was named in the letter, and they urged for the writer of this letter to come forward with more information. North Adams, again, like we just said, it's not a town far from Florida, so this could have been a possibility, but the writer of this letter remains unknown still, and we still don't know if this letter was a hoax or not. Yeah, which I hate that sometimes people do shit like that just to... Yeah, and that was like the only type of lead they ever got, pretty much. Yeah, Um, which is just... Fucked up. So it had to have been like like a trucker or somebody who wasn't in the area, like that didn't live in the area. I mean, Route is a highway, so it like, is, which is why the only thing I could think of is like a truck driver. Yeah, that, that road is used a lot to kind of get from like you know New York to mm-hmm. the rest of New England, yep. and especially up into like Vermont and Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, they could have gone anywhere. Exactly. Which, oh, I hate that. Yeah, that so much. So, Lynn's parents unfortunately passed away, her mother in 1990 and her father in 2012. Their dying wish was to find their daughter and bring her home. 
now, over 40 years later, Lynn's niece, Debbie, who we mentioned before, has taken over for her grandparents, Lynn's parents. Even though Debbie was just a toddler when her aunt went missing, she continues to push to get Lynn the justice she deserves. I love that. Yeah. She runs the Finding Lynn Burdick Facebook page and has even held fundraisers to put up billboards in the local towns. But despite these efforts, there have been zero new leads in Lynn's case. That's crazy. Yep. So, um, remember our second episode, the unsolved murder of Barry and Dina Pinto? Yes. They were the ones, um, they were one of the cards. Yep. They were one of the unsolved cases that the Massachusetts State Police had printed on a deck of cards. Yes. Lynn's case is also included in this deck of cards. Which also, I looked into that deck of cards because we had a lot of people who were like, where can I find that? They only give them to the state prison. That was literally my next. state prisons. Yep. So it's only distributed through the prison system in Massachusetts. So, you know, if you know, like, a corrections officer. Actually, I do know a couple. Yeah, maybe you could ask them. Be like, hey, give me those playing cards. (laughs) Um, But from an article that I read published April of 2022, um, it states that the Berkshire District Attorney's Office recently hired a special investigator to bring fresh eyes to all unresolved homicides. Debbie says that she keeps in touch with the investigator assigned to her aunt's case. Um, A recent article from earlier this week, actually, because we just... You know, yeah, past the anniversary, the anniversary again. just came by. Um, states that authorities have shared sketches of the man that they believe could have been responsible. These ste- these sketches include what he may have looked up. Sorry, what he may have looked like in 1982, and four age progressed variations of what he might look like today. Oh, these variations include facial hair, non facial hair, bald, bald not yep, bald. Yep. So there's a couple different versions. Um, these sketches were created based on recent interviews and with the help of a forensic artist from the Lincoln Police Department. Uh, they do believe that this is the same man from the attack at the college campus. They believe that the suspect, uh, sorry, the, spe- the-, <laughs> the suspect, suspect, Jesus, um, they believe that he might have ties to Vermont and which isn't far from Florida. No. And is described as a white man, five foot seven, and would now be approximately seventy years old. And that would make sense too, because he had that one failed attempt. Yeah, and, and then went, you know, a little further out, tried out of again, the college campus, and tried again. Yep. And so still a person of the same age. So yep, crazy. Ugh. Um, all of Lynn's siblings are still alive and still live in the area of Florida. Since her parents passed, Lynn's older brother, Brian, lives there. And even though Lynn's room is no longer the same as she left it back in 1982, the family still leaves the porch light on for her. Oh. Yeah. Um, At the time of Lynn's disappearance, she was 5'5", had straight, dark brown hair, and she wore glasses. She was last seen wearing a McCann school jacket and class ring and blue jeans. She would be 59 years old today. She was still alive. If you have any information on the disappearance of Lynn Burdick, please contact the Massachusetts State Police at the Berkshire Barracks at 413-499-1112. Please believe that Lynn's case can still be solved because somebody knows something. Somebody always fucking knows something. And they hope that the right person will finally come forward. Yeah, figure this out. Yep. And unfortunately, there has been 
really no leads. They don't know who did it. They think they might know yeah, the guy the who did it. The lead is that the guy from the college It's the campus, same guy. But, but, but other than that, there's really not much to go off of. Yep. So Ugh. it's been four, Jesus, 1982, so 45 years. Yeah. 45 fucking years. Goddamn. Yeah. That's so sad. If I have my math right, that I'm not thinking about it. thing yeah. fucked me up. Yep. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Like, I believe that she was abducted. At, Definitely. She, I mean, it, I want to believe that she was abducted at gunpoint, because how else are you going to have control of somebody like yeah. that with no they had struggle? Yeah, some kind of weapon of yeah. some kind, and but I feel like... if it was the same guy, did he pull a gun on the college person? Probably not, because he was probably going to get her into the car, and then once she was in the vehicle, subdue them with the weapon. Or with the gun so fucked up but yeah i saw this case because um the massachusetts state police they share yeah this facebook group all the time it's like missing and unsolved massachusetts i think it's called and they posted her card the other day not the other day yeah it's pretty much the other day because it was just yeah last week was the anniversary i was like oh my god i've never heard this case before i'm gonna last minute do this because i was gonna do something different but oh yeah I know. I think we both said we were going to do something. We always do that. And then, you know, then you find something and you're like, but wait, I'm getting sucked down this rabbit hole. Um, There wasn't really much more information besides what I shared. Um, There are there's Reddit pages. Dateline did an episode on that. I don't date. It's kind of hard to listen to for me sometimes. But um, I do like the podcast. I kind of give firsthand accounts from the family members because at least those are like, you know, solid resources. Um, But. It's just one of those mysterious cases that we probably will never know the answer to. I hope we do, since, like, these sketches have come out. But, I mean, we'll see. But I think that is it for today's case. That is it, guys. We hope you enjoyed it. And stay spooky. Stay scary. And stay stay safe. safe. See ya. Bye. Bye.